Good evening. Welcome to Pure Heart Ministries. This is Don Noble. It's a great pleasure to be with you this evening. Tonight, this message, I'm calling it Maintain My Cause, Lord. Maintain My Cause, Lord. We're going to be reading out of 1 Kings in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles available, if you would, turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. I'm going to give you a little uh, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I want to give you the context of of what we're talking about. Um, King David wanted to build a temple for the Lord. And the Lord said, no, you've been a man of war. Your son's going to build the temple. So Solomon built this glorious temple for the Lord. And they were ready to dedicate the temple. So let's just pick it up here. Chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came And the priests took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up. Then in verse 6, it talks about the priests bringing in the ark of the covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place. And then... um, they are, they are in, in the temple, and the glory begins to fill the temple, and Solomon begins to speak. And he's speaking um, to the Lord. So we're going to pick it up with verse 33. Solomon speaking to the Lord. When your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, And when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you have given to their fathers. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, when they pray toward this place and confess your name, and turn from their sin because you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain on your land in which you have given to your people as an inheritance. When there is famine in the land, okay, I'm going to stop there. There is a pattern, if you haven't already figured it out. There's a pattern here that Solomon is repeating to the Lord. And the pattern is this. When Israel sinned, God let the enemies of Israel be victorious over them. When Israel sinned, the Lord allowed famine in the land. But when the Lord would hear their cries of repentance. And when they called on the name of the Lord and confessed their sin, 
God gave them victory over their enemies. And God gave rain to the land. So let's pick up again in verse 37. When there is famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands toward this temple, then here in heaven, your dwelling place, and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men. And then verse 41 goes on to talk about when the foreigner comes in and if the foreigner, uh, you know, repents, then the foreigner gets restoration. Um, So we see that, uh, you know, there is a pattern here. Okay, let's go back to verse 45, 44. When your people... When your people go out to battle against their enemy, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city which you have chosen in the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin. Okay, there's a principle And they sin against you, Lord, for there is no one who does not sin. And you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy. And they take them captive to the land of the enemy, far or near. Yet, when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of those who took them captive, saying... We have sinned and done wrong. We have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart, with all their soul in the land of their enemies who led them away captive and prayed to you toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, the temple which I have built for your name, then here in heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. All right, let's drop down to verse 56. Blessed be the Lord. Solomon's still speaking to the Lord. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. Would you take a moment? Would you just take a moment with a pen or pencil and underline that scripture? There has not failed one word of all his good promise. Okay. Now, I want to read that specific scripture out of verse 56, portion B. I want to read that out of the Message Bible. Listen carefully. Not one of all those good and wonderful words that he, the Lord, spoke through Moses has 
misfired. Not one of all those good and wonderful words that he spoke through Moses has misfired. Now I'm going to give you my version. Every promise that has been shot out of heaven hits its target. Every promise that's been shot out of heaven hits its target. Corinthians tells us all the promises of God are yes and amen. We know that the word says that God's promises are sure and they're steadfast. And now we see that those promises, not one word of his good promises is going to fail or misfire. It's going to hit its target. That should encourage you right there. Let's go on. Verse 57. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us. That he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments which he commanded our fathers. And may these words of mine which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, that he, may, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, as each day may require. Why? That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. Verse 61. Let your heart therefore... Be loyal to our Lord, our God, to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as is, as, as at this day. Okay, let's look at where the problem lies here. So we see a pattern over and over again that when the people would sin, bad things would happen. But when they repented and turned back to the Lord, things were restored. So let's look at verse 38, because here's the crux of the problem. Verse 38 says that each one knows the plague of his own heart. I've been a cardiac nurse for 36 years. I know a diseased heart. I've seen real hearts with coronary heart disease. In the natural, there are many kinds of heart disease, blockage of the arteries, which we call hardening of the arteries or atherosclerosis, being the most common. There is disease of the heart valves, disease of the heart muscle, disease of the conduction system or the electrical nervous, nervous impulses of the heart. But let me tell you, there is one form of heart disease more deadly than all those combined, and it's spiritual heart disease. Now, whether that's an unsaved or an unregenerated heart or a heart that knows God but has allowed unconfessed sin to infect it, we must be aware of keeping our heart. This is out of Proverbs 4. I mentioned this to you last week. Keeping our heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34 and 35, Jesus said, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
Jesus went on to say, he said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. My friend, your heart, your heart can be a treasure chest of good things or a treasure chest of evil things. You decide. Now let's go back to verse 45. Solomon says, Then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. So the question is, how does God maintain our cause? Well, the answer is simple. It's found in verse 47 and 48. It says, Yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent. Number one, first thing is we repent. And we make supplication to the Lord in the land of those who took them, saying, second thing is, we acknowledge our wrongdoing. We, it's, it says here in the scripture, we have sinned. They, sa- they said this with their own mouth. We have sinned and done wrong. And we've committed wickedness. So secondly, we acknowledge our wrongdoing. We tell the Lord we've committed this wickedness, whatever that is. And thirdly, Verse 48 says, and when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul. So the third part is that when we return to the Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul, then he hears in heaven our supplication and our prayers and he maintains our cause. Now, what that really means is it means to maintain justice on our behalf. If you look up that word cause, it's justice or maintain their right. If their rights have been, um, if there's been an injustice against something, then God is going to maintain their right or maintain uh, justice on their behalf. So you might ask, what are injustices? What might those injustices be? Well, you may not know it, but sickness in your body is an injustice against your body. Sickness in your mind is an injustice against your mind. Having an addiction is an injustice. Listen, whether you're addicted to food, fame, power, position, pornography, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, shopping, sports, hoarding, and I'm sure there's a variety of other things. When it controls you, it has you. And it's an injustice that binds and chains you. You see, there are other injustices. For instance, not being treated fairly in the workplace. Maybe you get got a demotion Or maybe you didn't get the promotion. Maybe you were hoping for a raise. You didn't get the raise. And so I ask you this. Are you an employee that comes on time? Are you an employee that gives 100%? Do you steal pens, paperclips, something that you think is negligible? It's not negligible 
because we just saw back in verse 39 that God knows the hearts of all people. Are you one that gossips? Are you one that causes dissension among your fellow um, employees? Maybe your injustice is that you had an inheritance passed down to you, but it was stolen because of a fight or a rivalry between siblings. That's an injustice. Maybe you have an unsaved loved one or an unsaved neighbor. That's an injustice. Certainly to a family, if you have unsaved loved ones, that's an injustice to your family because God created family. Possibly were you in a car accident and the person who hit you and caused the accident is suing you. That's an injustice. Second Chronicles 20 tells the story of a king, and I'm not going to get into all of the details, but it's about King Jehoshaphat. And this king was facing three armies, three enemy armies, and he didn't have the forces in any way, shape, or form to overcome these three enemies. They were absolutely, he was absolutely outnumbered like crazy. But I want to share with you one scripture. As he's crying out to God, this is what he says in Second Chronicles twenty twelve. He says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But... Our eyes are upon you. So there's another key. This king knew they had no ability to fight the enemy. They were not going to make it, but God had given them a plan. And if you read in the beginning of First, Second uh, Chronicles 20, it says that Jehoshaphat called for a fast for the whole community to fast. So You see, they humbled themselves. They recognized before this fight ever got on, we're humbling ourselves. We're calling on God. And so guess what? They beat these enemies like crazy. In fact, they didn't even have to fire a shot or lift. You know, I don't even know if they had firearms then, but whatever they used to fight, they didn't even have to fight because God caused a, a confusion and the enemy killed. They killed each other. So what's the bottom line? This is the bottom line. We have to remove the plague from our heart that has caused it to be diseased. And that plague could be idolatry, lying, stealing, pride, selfishness, anger, rebellion, lust, lawlessness, hate, offense, unforgiveness, causing division, causing discord, and the list goes on. You see, we need God to maintain our cause. So I want you to pray. I want you to pray with me. And I want you to pray this out loud. Holy Spirit, show me where I have allowed my heart to become diseased. Because I want to repent of it. I acknowledge to you my wrong actions, my wrong words, my wrong behavior. 
I have sinned against you, Lord, and you alone. I need you to maintain my cause. Forgive me, Father, for what I have done, and cleanse my heart from all unrighteousness. Then you can take a moment to tell the Lord what it is that you want the Lord to maintain your cause for. It could be a unsaved loved one. It could be, you know, uh, an injustice, sickness in your body. Whatever that injustice is, bring it before the Lord. Lord, I need you to maintain my cause. And I want to pray. I want to pray. Want you to pray this with me. And this is straight out of the Scripture, out of First Kings chapter eight, verse fifty-eight. Say this with me, Lord, incline my heart to your heart, that I may walk in all your ways and keep your commandments and statutes. Lord, I no longer want a diseased heart. I thank you for giving me tonight a pure heart, and I will keep your commandments, and I will walk in your ways, and I will incline myself toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I really believe this is an important key. As you know, I have spent the last several months talking to you about getting correctly aligned with the Lord because he's coming back quickly. He's coming back for a bride without spot and wrinkle. It is important. This is serious business. And it all starts with the heart. And we've got to remove the plague of our heart. And we've got to confess our sin. And we've got to acknowledge to the Lord. And we have to return with all of our heart. See, it's one thing to say, oh, Lord, I've I've done wrong. I've sinned. I'm sorry. But it's another thing to make that confession, but also return to the Lord with all of your heart and all of your soul. So it's it's all three of those things. It's repentance, it's verbally acknowledging your problems, you, you know, your wrongs, your sins, and then telling the Lord, Lord, I want to return to you with all of my heart, with everything that's in me. Because that's when the Lord can maintain your cause. Now, I want to close from the book of Daniel. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Chapter 6, going to give you the context Most of you know the story. If you're a Christian, you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. We're going to pick it up at verse 17. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now, in those days, that's what happened. The king, when he made a decree... He sealed it with his signet ring. So, um, um, you know, they put wax and then he takes his ring. He presses his ring into the wax and seals it. It becomes a seal. And that's what they're referencing here in verse 17. Because once that is set in that seal, that cannot be changed. Verse 18, now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. 
I'm going to stop there. Let me remind you that this is a heathen king. This is not a king that knows the Lord. This is Darius. He doesn't know God. He's a heathen. But he's fasting and he's praying. And it says, no musicians were brought before him and his sleep went from him. He was awake all night praying for this Daniel. Verse 19, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice or aggrieved. That means he was aggrieved. He was grieved. He cried out to Daniel and because he thought Daniel was dead. He thought the lions have had a feast, had a banquet with Daniel. So the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Oh, don't you love it? Verse 21, Daniel says to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Here's the key. Daniel did not have any disease in his heart. He didn't have heart disease. He didn't have a heart plagued with heart disease. No, 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 no. He had a pure heart. He says here, I was found innocent before God. In other words, I had a pure heart. I didn't do anything wrong. God knows. And just so you know, King, King Darius, I have done nothing wrong before you. In other words, Daniel was saying, I've upheld your laws and every decree I've, I've done, you know, I have been righteous in my actions. I have been righteous in my heart. And you see, that's why God maintained the cause of Daniel and he survived the lions. God maintained his cause because an injustice was done. You see, Daniel was put in the lion's den and he shouldn't have been. You and I know the story. He shouldn't have been put in there. Those guys created uh, some lies and, and, you know, the king had to, you know, they said, hey, king, you know, Daniel's doing all this stuff. And you made this decree and we found him. He's over there praying. He prays three times a day. And the king didn't have you know, because the king had made a decree, then he had to go with what these men were saying. But he knew in his heart, he knew what kind of man Daniel was. He knew that he had a pure heart. And so God maintained Daniel's cause, this injustice against him of being put in the lion's den because Daniel had a clean heart. And those lines, he says, he says, God shut the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me. <laughs> Can you imagine a bunch of hungry lions? And there you are. I mean, you're a banquet for them. And God just comes boom, 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 and shuts all their mouths. God maintained the injustice against Daniel by closing the mouth of those lions because Daniel had a pure heart, a clean heart an innocent heart. He was found innocent. That's what God wants to do with us. 
Oh, he desires to maintain our cause, but he's looking for a heart that will get before him. You see, we all sin because we saw in the scripture back in First uh, Kings 8, we all sin. But are you willing to confess that sin? Are you willing to turn from your sin to repent? Are you willing to say to the Lord, I have done wrong? And not only that, Lord, I return to you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to live for you. See, that's all it takes. And trust me, God knows the motivation of your heart. If you're just saying it just to say it because you think, well, I can say it and, you know, God's going to turn everything around for me. He knows the motives of your heart. He'll know, he knows whether you really mean it or you don't really mean it. So I believe God wants to maintain our cause. He's looking for every opportunity to maintain your cause. But he's also looking for a heart without heart disease, a heart that's pure and innocent before him. And so if you've got a plagued heart and you've got heart disease, tonight's your night to get set free, confess your sin, repent, come back to the Lord with all of your heart and all of your soul. Amen. Well, this is Don Noble and Pure Heart Ministry. I hope you have been encouraged tonight. And I really hope that God has done an incredible work in your heart tonight. Be blessed. Good night. Shalom, shalom. Peace be to you.